Father, we do uh, lift up this time. Pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way. And thank you, Lord, again for, uh, for gifting this guy named John to write down these things for us, using him to minister to that generation and that culture that transcends all the way into our generation and our culture. And Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts. We don't want to just be people who gain something intellectually and, and uh, Lord, even, like, maybe even memorize something, but we want to be people who are changed by the power of the Spirit. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work through us to influence and, and, and affect this generation. Lord, each other, believers in the church, but also the generation outside and people outside of the church. Use us mightily, God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, remember, John is having some issues with uh, the church and people creeping in and teaching false teaching. And he's brought up, last time we looked at, he gave us a whole criteria that we need to be discerning, we need to test the spirits, we need to be people who are figuring things out and watching things, and that's important. But also, along with discernment comes as we're gonna see today, the whole idea of love. If you have, listen, if you have a discernment and no love, you're gonna blow it. And if you have love and no discernment, you're gonna blow it. The two go together and it's, you know, again, John put them back to back as he's done this. Now this is the third time that he's brought up the issue of love. The first time in chapter two he brought it up and he talked about how love and again in relationship to our being sons and, and I'm sorry, part of our fellowship with one another and then in chapter three he brought up love again talking about our sonship. Now he's gonna bring up love talking about us in Christ, period. And so I think, listen, obviously it must be important. There was a group in the 60s probably don't know them, right? All you need is love. Some of us remember. We were talking earlier, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. So, something to think about. But listen, man, here's the thing. When we're talking about love, we're not talking about an emotional or you know, the, the sexual uh, attraction to one another. We're not talking about, about just that brotherly thing. We're talking about the biblical definition of love, which is self-sacrificing and giving. And so I think we get mixed up. I hear people sometimes talk about, well, Christians aren't always loving, and sometimes it's when Christians are taking a stand about something. And that doesn't mean we're not loving, actually. I think if you warn somebody and you're concerned about somebody and what they're doing, that's an act of love, right? Because you're concerned about them. So, so listen, we get mixed up, and even as believers, sometimes we mix up the whole idea of love. Through this section, I think we're gonna get a great picture of what biblical love is and get that deep in our hearts so that we can be world changers, right? Didn't Jesus leave us here to change the world? I think that's why he left us here. And so we need to be doing that. So in verse seven of chapter four, 
John writes, beloved. So even, even that, even the way he starts this, right? He's got that term of endearment. He cares about him. And John's been, you know, doing that for a long time. And then once again, notice as we go through this, it's very black and white. John never gives gray area. He never lets you kind of like, well, I'm almost there. He goes, no, you're one or the other. So beloved, he says, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So again, he starts laying this out and just talking about we need, if we're born of God, we need to be loving each other. And he's talking about the church here. He's not talking about outside the church. He's talking about within the church. I believe sincerely, if we can't love each other, we're not gonna love the world, right? We're not gonna be involved in it. So, so he says, listen, let us love one another. Why? Because God is love, right? And he says, listen, God is love, therefore, if we have a relationship with him, that should translate into us loving each other. It should be, listen, it shouldn't be something we have to work up and figure out. It should be something we do because of who we are. We do certain things, right? Some of us from, from you know, learned behavior in our family, some of us a genetically thing, whatever, and we do it, why? Because of who we are. Well, shouldn't as believers in Jesus Christ, and we're gonna see change by his power, shouldn't that then translate into acting more like God? So again, you know, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He doesn't say knows about God. We're gonna talk about that a couple times. Hey, you can know a lot about God and not know God. This is a relational thing. So then he says, verse eight, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. Here is John again, black and white, right? He doesn't, he doesn't like, here's what he's saying. If you're not loving each other, that's evidence of the fact that you don't really know God. Why? Because God is love. Now, I think the danger is some people make that, that's all they know about God. God is love, God is holy, God is righteous, God is perfect. Listen, you can't, you can't take the one thing that's expressed here and say that's God in his totality. He's all of those things, but he is love, and we need to understand something. If God is dwelling in us, then that's proof, our love is proof of that. And he's like challenging us. And I think John, listen, I think John is challenging that, that group of believers, they're struggling, they're struggling with doctrine. I think they must be struggling with each other. There's no way you don't bring up love three different times in a short letter that's only five chapters and you keep bringing it up that there's not something going on in that church where they're not loving each other. So he keeps bringing it up and keeps coming back to it. Now, as we think about this and, and as we're challenged with this, I want us to go to, and uh, you can turn there or you can just listen. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to just, again, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, right? And most of us know that, and lots of us have read it, some of us have memorized it, and, and uh, you know, we've worked through it, but 
Let's listen to it again, maybe, maybe in a different ears this morning as we, as we go through this, but Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and here's what he says in verse one of chapter 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Are you picking up what, what Paul's getting into? You see, there was stuff going on in that church in Corinth where they thought such and such was a sign of spirituality. One of them was speaking in tongues. They made that a sign of spirituality. Here's what he's saying. Hey, if you don't have love, that's nothing. And then he goes on. Look at how he develops this. And though I have, in verse 2, the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I might have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, then I'm nothing. And again, Sometimes when we think of spiritual things and spirituality, we think of signs and wonders and certain things going on. And here's what Paul says. It's about love. It's not about those things. And John's gonna say the same thing in a minute when we get back to him. And then in verse three it says, although I bestow all my goods to, the, to, the, uh, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Again, demonstrating the things that sometimes even as believers, but especially the world puts on believers, well, if you're not doing this, you're not loving. No. Listen, just because I'm doing that, hey, I could have the best theology in the world, the brightest mind in the world. I could be praying 20 times a day. I could be, you know, going to church. But if I don't have love, that's evidence that I don't know God and I'll have a relationship. It's not the external things, it's what he does internally. And then, and then uh, Paul says this, verse four. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked, it thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. That's powerful. I've committed that verse to memory, but I memorize it in a different translation, and then sometimes I do this translation, I get all mixed up in my head. But I've committed it to memory, and whenever my wife and I have a, Discussion. <laughs> when I'm in the spirit, I would love to say I do this all the time, but when I'm in the spirit, I start saying and thinking about this, those verses. And here's what I come to realize. In the midst of that, I'm not loving. And when I admit that and come to God with that, you know what? It calms everything down and it changes everything. So we need to understand that's what biblical love is. Again, it's not some emotional thing. It's not some physical thing. It's not even just a camaraderie thing. It's so much deeper than that. So that's what John is writing about. Now let's get back to this and let's look at this uh, uh, at, at verse eight one more time where he says, listen, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. I think we need to be people who we're willing to admit 
I'm not loving, therefore in this moment, I'm not close with God. I don't have that intimacy with him. And then he goes on to say, listen, he goes on to say, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us. So how do we know that God is love? Not because somebody tells us. It's always interesting to me when people in the world goes, well, you know, God is love. And they're talking about some wacko thing. How do I know God is love? Well, verse nine tells me, listen, in this, right? In this, the love of God was manifested. How was his love manifested towards us? He says that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. How was God's love manifested? Because he sent his son his only begotten son. Now again, I think a lot of words were important for them that may not be as important to us. Remember, John was fighting against that whole uh, uh, thing that later on became Gnosticism where, where they believed that, listen, they believed that Jesus wasn't actually deity or if he was deity, they didn't believe he was human and, and he's fighting against all that. But here's what he's saying, God had one son only one son, his only begotten son, and God sent him. Now, I think oftentimes we look at the idea that Jesus came into the world and Jesus came to save us. Do you ever think about the father sending the son? That's amazing. God manifested his love for us because he sent his son and again, it's kind of hard, I think it's hard sometimes and, and to obviously to, to kind of try and think that through and get our minds around the fact. Do you know that the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the first, second, third person of the Trinity, if you will, do you know that they've always been? Do you know how long that is? That's like forever. It's hard to go forever backwards, isn't it? I bring this up a lot because I, maybe it's not for you. For me, it's hard. Like, I can think forever forward, but forever backwards, even, I'm from Bisbee. I should be able to do this. <laughs> but going, going backwards, listen, going forever backwards is hard. God has always been. Do you know there's never been a time where God wasn't? And do you know that with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you will, that they had perfect relationship they had need of nothing they were completely fulfilled within themselves God didn't create because he got lonely God didn't create because he wanted to do an experiment I often wonder why he created and I think I look in the scripture and I can get some evidence but do you understand that and yet in this creation God knew that we were going to blow it and he sent his only begotten son. And this first part that John brings up, listen, this first part that John brings up, he brings up the idea that he sent his son into the world. Listen what he says in this first part, that we might live through him. He's not looking so much at our salvation right here. He's looking more at the fact that we just need to live. What is real life? 
Well, real life is that relationship with God. That's when we really find out what life is all about. And he sent his son that we might be alive, that we can live through him. And bottom line, enjoy what God created us to enjoy. So listen, I love that idea that he sent his son that, that, uh, that we might live through him. And then he says this. In this, in verse 10, is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So first of all, we need to understand, God didn't start loving us when we loved him. God loved us while we were still enemies, right? Again, according to uh, Romans chapter five and Romans chapter eight, expresses that clearly. God did not love us when we started loving him. As a matter of fact, we only love him because he loved us. He started and initiated the relationship. When we were yet enemies, he loved us. That blows my mind. So let's think about that for a moment because that's biblical love. And when we're trying to express it to others, here's what often happens with us. Well, maybe not with you guys, with me. I can, I'll just use me. I'll love people who love me back because that's easy. What about people who don't love me? What about the unlovable? And then I always like, I always like this idea. Who are the unlovable? Well, I know who the unlovable are. There are people who aren't like me. <laughs> right? Isn't that kind of, come on, am I the only one? Am I the only one? Come on, we all kind of think that way, don't we? Let's be a little bit honest. Who are the unlovable? Well, if they're not like me, then they're not very lovable. If they're like me, they're obviously lovable. God loved us in spite of us. That blows my mind. He initiated this relationship we have, and he loves us in spite of us. And so, listen, then he says, listen, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We might, like, get that deep in our, in our minds and in our hearts. That's biblical love. And then he says this, and... In the middle of verse 10, sent his son. Here we are, that son again, right? Now he's talking about the son. And he says, listen, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Oh, not only did he send his son that we might live through him, but the greater work of the son is he took the wrath of God that you deserve, that I deserve, paid the penalty so that we could have eternal life. I'm always fascinated by the people who, they don't like this word propitiation. And even some of the newer translations kind of change it because we surely don't want to use that word. Because that word implies that there is wrath that needs to be appeased. And some people get uptight with that because of some of the pagan religions where they have to do certain things to appease their gods. And they go, well, surely the God of love isn't that way. Oh, he is. Do you understand that God can't wink at sin? He can't just excuse it. If he's perfectly righteous, sin has to be taken care of. And he sent his son to do that work for us. When Jesus died on the cross physically, the greater death was his separation from God spiritually. Remember on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And again, get back into the theme. For all of eternity, there's been that, that union, that closeness, that fellowship. And it got broken in that instant. Why? Because the Father poured out his wrath on the Son because of my sin. Because of your sin. He became the propitiation. He took the wrath. He appeased the wrath of God so that I could have a relationship with God. That, that is mind-boggling, right? In this, what is John right? In this, right? In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son for the propitiation of our sins. Listen, that is a, that is a mind-boggling thing and an amazing thing. And so as we think about that, in verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Oh, oh. Like, I really love God. People, not so much. Some of us think, we gotta love each other. And we gotta put up with each other. And we have to forgive each other. And we have to work through things. One of the problems with the modern church is it's too easy if we get upset at one church, we can go to another church. Because there's hundreds of them in this town. This town has so many churches, you can like drive everywhere. Every two minutes you hit a church. This is the best one, by the way. That's just my opinion. But listen, listen. When we get upset, we just go to a new church. Start all over again. Shouldn't we work things out? Isn't that, what, isn't that what John is saying here? He's saying, listen, man, God, God loved us, not that we loved him. And listen, so if God did that, shouldn't we love one another? Again, not, I'm not asking you to be all emotional and gushy. That's, that's like nuts, right? I'm not asking you for Valentine's Day. I'm asking you for some unconditional love. I'm asking you to sacrifice a little bit hey, I know it's hard to love me. I live in here. But do you hear what John is saying? I believe if we're truly born again, we will begin to function that way. I think we do as a fellowship. I think, listen, I think there's some areas that obviously we can all improve in, right? I would love to tell you that I just have this perfect walk with God and everything I do is perfect. But you can talk to my wife. Or you can ask me. I know that I'm not perfect. But I want to be. I want to change. I want to be somebody who, I want to, you know, I, I always look at it this way. I want to put on my big boy pants. And I want to walk like Jesus walked. And so that's his challenge. Now, listen, it goes a little bit further because he's not done yet. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. So listen, John's making a statement here, right? No one has seen God, and again, it cracks me up. You start reading some of the brilliant scholar commentary guys, and they go back into, well, what about in the Old Testament where there was a theophany and God appeared as an angel? That wasn't, listen, that wasn't seeing him. That was seeing a representation of him. No one has seeing God. You remember when Moses said, Lord, I want to see you, kind of that, and I'm paraphrasing it, and he wants to have that interaction with God, and God says, oh, you'll die. 
And he says, so here's what I'm gonna do. You get in the cliff, get in that hole. I'll put my hand over it, so to speak. When I pass by, I'll let you see my afterglow, right? And you can see what's what the, the after part. So no one's seen God. Here's what John's saying. We haven't seen God. Now some might say, but I saw Jesus. That's not what he's talking about. So no one's seen God. He makes that statement, and I think we need to understand that. But listen to what he says, because this is powerful. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been made perfect in us. Are you hearing what John is saying? No one's ever seen God, but you, as a believer, represent God to others because God abides in you. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to abide in you and work through you, people get a glimpse of God. Oh, that's kind of sweet, isn't it? That's kind of it. Listen, I don't want us to leave here today, and I'm going to challenge this again to be nicer to each other because I think that's important. But it's not, this, he's, John's not giving us something we need to work up and we need to figure out and we need to go through step one, then step two, then step three, then step four, and I, I'm achieving this love that we're talking about. Here's what John is saying. You and I need to yield to the Holy Spirit who's in us so that he can reveal himself through us and check this out and people can see God. Oh, hmm. I get the idea that they weren't doing too well. And John had to explain it to him again. He's explained it to him in chapter two, explained it to him in chapter three, he's explained it to him again in chapter four. You know what that tells me? If they weren't doing it too good, I don't think we're doing it real good. And we need to be people who were a little bit more attentive to this. Now I'm gonna say some things that might be a little bit harsh, and I don't mean them as harsh, but I do kind of mean them. Number one, you can't love people through a screen. Do you know what I mean? Can't do it. And I think one of the biggest detriments to biblical love is this thing called social media. It should be labeled unsocial media. Because it's not social, we fool ourselves. Here's what people think, we fool ourselves. Well, I was hanging out with people today. No, you weren't. They weren't with you. And then it always cracks me up. Do you know how many friends I have? Yeah, zero. (laughs) No, I got 500 friends on Facebook. They're not your friends. They're people who wanna be your friends so that your friends will be their friends so they will get big numbers. I know how that works. It cracked me up in the beginning. Hey, in the beginning when Twitter was first coming out, there's a pastor friend of mine that he's on Twitter and, and he's wanting to build his following. And so he's liking all these people. And I go on his Twitter account and there's some inappropriate ladies following him. And I go, dude, have you looked at who's following you? No, why? And I go, you got some weird stuff going on. And here's the thing, why was he doing that? Because we fool ourselves into thinking that makes us more popular. Social media makes us unsocial. I hate to say it, it does. You know what makes us social? Looking at each other in the eyes, face-to-face contact, physical contact. 
We were created to be physical beings. And the more we buy into we don't need to do that, the worse off we're gonna be. And listen carefully, it's going to stunt our growth as believers. I'm not saying you're not gonna go to heaven. I'm saying you're not gonna grow up and put on big boy pants. You're always gonna wear little boy pants. We need to grow. I wanna grow. It's part of why I stay in the ministry. It makes me grow, it challenges me. I have to do things. Hey, I have to do things I don't like. And that causes me to grow. I have to interact with some people and none of you here, obviously. <laughs> that maybe I don't even wanna interact with, but I gotta interact with them. And something I found that is absolute mind-boggling. I've been blessed to travel basically around the world and go to different fellowships and different churches. And you know what I found wherever I go? There's people who love me. Not because they've heard about me, not because they know me. They love me because they're a believer and I'm a believer. That's what John's talking about here. Now here's the problem, we get to know each other and then it's easier not to love each other, right? I know you, I know things about you. Then let's dump, listen, let's dump all that information and let's be people we start loving one another. Let's show this century what it's like for people to be believers in Jesus Christ. That's John's challenge. That's our challenge. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that we have this challenge here. And, and God, again, I, I pray that, Lord, we wouldn't be people who make this some kind of phony thing and work it up some kind of phony way. But God, I pray, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would do a work in our hearts and it would come from the inside out. Change us, mold us, shape us more into your image. And God, I, I pray right now, I know, I know one of the dangers, some of us are even standing here right now thinking about who needed to hear this. God, let us apply it to our own lives. And make us into the men and women of God that you desire for us to be. And give us that ability to reach out to others and care about others. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here this morning and maybe somebody invited you, maybe this is your, like your, your visiting or maybe you've been here forever, either one. And God is touching your heart, especially when we talked about the propitiation, that he paid the penalty for our sin, that he went to the cross and took our sin upon him and took that wrath of God that we deserve. If that touched your heart this morning and God spoke to you, then you need to, make, you need to get right with him. You need to come to the place where you accept that work that we talked about. So if I'm talking to you, hey, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to change your life forever. Call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, and by that, here's what we mean. You're gonna pray, and as we, we say this prayer, it's gonna be kind of a simple prayer. You're gonna let God know that you know you're a sinner. 
He doesn't need to add information. He already knows. But he, you need to know that you're a sinner. You're going to confess to him you're a sinner. You're going to be sorry for your sin. Then you're going to ask him to forgive you and come into your life and guide you and direct you. If you want to do that, say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. It's got to come from your heart. If you're backslidden today, I like to say it this way, then you need to front slide. Come home. Come back to Jesus and let him know. If you're watching online, you can say this prayer right where you're at. You can say this prayer with us and the Lord will hear you. You don't need to be in this building. Jesus, today, I confess to you that, I, that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking for your forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and I want you to change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Today I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.